we should start now. So I want to formally wish uh, everybody on the panel and our audience good evening from Dubai, uh, good afternoon Europe, and good morning America. My name is Sharad Agarwal. I am the CEO of Cybergear, which is a Web One company I started in 1996. Back then, there was no Google, so we used to Yahoo. And if you guys remember, we had Alta Vista. I used to search on that. And I used to browse on Netscape. And I used to use a dial-up modem to connect, right? That's how we got connected to the internet back then. So now we should fast forward. And today, Cybergear is into the Web3 space. We are already building a NFT marketplace and advising some local brands on how to develop their metaverse strategy. When COVID happened some 18 months back, I launched onlywebinars.com, a platform for having engaging conversations such as this one. And today we are discussing designing the metaverse. In my opinion, or for me at least, it's 1996 all over again. Just imagine life. I mean, close your eyes, go back to 1996. There is no internet, right? Your life would come to a grinding halt. And I read somewhere that in today's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Wi-Fi is higher than state of Nirvana, right? So that's how much dependent we are on the internet. And I'm sure in tomorrow's world, we will all be living working and communicating in the metaverse. So today we have seven meta shapers uh, on the panel. I like to call them early movers. And for me, they are rock stars because they've already taken the plunge and they will be sharing their experiences of how they've been building in the metaverse. It's time for me to introduce you to our facilitator for this webinar. It's my good friend, Susan Furness, uh, who wears, you know, multiple hats. It's very difficult to introduce her because every time I do a webinar, she's added some new activity in her bio. But from what I can remember, uh, she's a wordsmith. She's a strategic communications expert. She's into spiritual artistry and is an edge walker. So I think uh, she multitasks. I, I like to think of her like an Intel processor, right? Totally multitasking. And I'm guessing that she's even ambidextrous. I'm going to hand it over to Susan to take this discussion forward. And I uh, want to remind the audience, you can come in anytime through the chat. So let's keep the chat going and we'll uh, take your questions towards the end of this conversation. Over to you, Susan. Well, thank you so much, Sharad. And uh, indeed, yes, a very, very big thank you to you because you were there right at the cusp of, of uh, Web 2 as we know it today, you know, as Dubai's sort of, um, I think, trailblazer in the IT sector. And that's where I first met Sharad. Uh, he helped me with my very, very first website you know, in and around like 1994, 95, 96, I can't remember. But Sharad, before we go on, I'm just seeing a question in the audience, you know, about this webinar format. Can you just, just remind us all that this is a webinar, so we all don't see all the panel, all of the audience, we see the panelists only, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So audience can communicate with us through the chat, and we might even be able to get a few people on camera towards the end 
to interact with us and share their story. Yeah, thank you so much. So just write in the chat what Sharad and I will be watching and so will the rest of the panelists. And, and I'm going to introduce you to those panelists now. Um, you know, first on my screen next to me, the opposite side to Sharad is you, Timothy. And so welcome from Hong Kong. Um, just give us you know, 30 seconds, 90 seconds about yourself. Timothy. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, good evening, everyone. So in the daytime, uh, I'm head of digital for a Rosewood Hotel Group, a luxury hotel company. And in the nighttime, I'm, uh, I kind of fell into NFT uh, about six months ago. So I'm an NFT trader, uh, NFT educator, as well as a brand consultant for, for some NFT projects. Um, one of them being a, a wearables uh, project. So I think you know, it will be interesting to maybe share some of that uh, later on in the conversation since we're focusing on fashion today. As you can hear, as you can hear, I'm from France, but I'm based in Hong Kong. <laughs> Uh, thank you, uh, Timothy. You're right. Um, you know, brand is so important in all aspects of the business canvas, isn't it? But yes, today we're, we're talking about designing the metaverse, you know, and using that as a stretch along, you know, so what do we all need to do to de design a business model for, uh, for the metaverse? And indeed, last month we talked about, you know, can you, how are you future sensing that strategy? And of course, the strategy could be to stay out for now. But, you know, make it a strategy, right? You know, in or out, make sure you know that you've looked at why you're doing that in, in um, you know, to support your brand and your products and your company, your team and everybody in this uh, burgeoning space, this emerging market that, Sharad, I remember we moved it last time that um, uh, pundits were saying in a decade could be worth 1.5 trillion. And I wouldn't be surprised in the 20, what is it, about 31 days since our last webinar, that, that actually that number has shifted. Um, so I'm going to go round to the bottom of my screen and ask someone who actually might know or not. And that's you, Moses Mar. Um, you're, at, you're there in the States and, you know, you really are at the entry port to Web3. Um, tell us, you know, a quick 90 seconds about, or sorry, 30 seconds about yourself. And then, you know, what is happening out there at the minute in Web3? Just very quickly. So um, really briefly, I run a venture incubator and a, um, an innovation consultancy. And uh, a couple of lifetimes ago in internet years, I wrote the very first commercially successful uh, internet video game, which was based on cyberspace. So you could connect. It was called Spectre VR. And you no, know, we packaged uh, the Snow Crash book in it, so we were really heavy into it. But we knew that it would take a long time for the metaverse to be real. And it's, uh, def it's taken over 20 years to get to where we are today. But anyway, uh, a way to think about Web 1, Web 2, and Web 3 is that Web 1 was the idea of fully decentralized, that anybody could reach anybody. And then what Web2 did is actually centralize around certain walled gardens like um, Facebook and Google. Web3 is to uncentralize and then re-decentralize uh, the internet uh, with, uh, uh, in terms of DeFi uh, and NFTs with little um, Lego parts that you can snap together and then create content and other solutions. So I think it's very exciting. The, 
think the NFT market itself just exploded in one year. It's gone to like 30 billion in trades. So I think it's uh, something real and it's definitely happening. But at the same time, it's like the Wild West. You, you can find gold, but there are going to be a lot of covered wagons killed by Indians along the way. There'll be the wreckage of many software companies. Uh, but I think the goal is uh, worth chasing. You, you paint an interesting picture there. And of course, designing the metaverse is all about creating business model canvases and painting those canvases three-dimensional if we need to, so that we really can get our businesses motoring in the metaverse or not. And, and as you're saying that, that wants to take me over to Italy. And that's you, Alberto, Alberto Franco, because you know, I remember that from your space as uh, you know, really being in the tech side of things, that you asked three questions when things like this are being discussed. And that's how, how, and how. So tell us about you and tell us how. Yeah, thank you very much. And thanks for, for having me. And I am a computer scientist. So that's exactly as, as you mentioned, Susan, I like to understand how things work. And uh, what we are doing and what I am doing as a day job is building tools for then creating assets and digital products that then you can sell to, in the metaverse as NFTs or, or whatever kind of scenario you have in mind. So uh, that's a small version of, of me and uh, that's what we do. So uh, yeah, that's, that's more or less it. Wow, small, it's small and wide and very deep. We know that Alberta, we'll be back to you later when we wanna know how we're gonna play. Um, Sunil, I can see you smiling from ear to ear there. Um, you're in India today. How are you? Sunil, I mean, you know, like Moses, I mean, you bring like almost four decades to the room today, don't you? And you, Sherrod, and me, I suppose, you know, we start adding up those decades. And you're, you know, today we're putting a spotlight on fashion, Sunil. And um, you kicked off in the retail fashion sector and, you know, now doing very much to sort of help create a traceable and sustainable uh, metaverse. Do you want to just sort of give us a bit about you and then lead us into that? And then we'll go into these uh, fabulous team members here who are actually producing already. Over to you, Sunil. Thank you, Suzanne. Uh, I'm Sunil Arora. And uh, uh, in the first 35 years of my career, I have mainly been on the education side of things. So it was mainly related to a National Institute of Fashion Technology. I was lecturing over there, moved from NIFT to FIT New York, then London and Paris schools of fashion. So done a lot of work on consulting brands, manufacturers, sourcing companies, manufacturing companies globally in about 50 countries in that first 35 years uh, on, on various digital transformation services and various solution providing related to that. Uh, in the last two years, I have mainly been working on the digital fashion side of things and been advising and, and consulting with brands and sourcing companies on how metaverse and how uh, digital fashion can be of great use to them and how this can also create a separate earning stream just out of a digital only fashion, which can slowly move towards the digital side of things to create something which is much more advanced than uh, any kind of uh, a forecasting or any, any kind of a uh, uh, trend analysis. So 
based on that, we are designing things. Uh, our solutions are mainly started to be used in uh, Trace Network, the new co-founded company of mine. Uh, we have uh, already started uh, getting on to various brands globally in about 50 countries right now. Uh, but out of that, I would say about uh, uh, 30 of them have started to utilize the digital side of things, the digital side of things in a very big way. And uh, soon we are uh, going to be uh, launching these kind of things in, in Dubai, uh, which is other office of ours. So that is what we are going to be doing. So okay. thank you very much for having me here and I discuss more as you ask me things. Well, thank you to you, um, Sunil, and certainly we will be asking you because, you know, I sort of have only met you once and, and a lot online, but I sort of see the leader in you, the teacher in you and the mentor in you. So we want some of that. And I can see Mel smiling. So Mel, I mean, you, it's been an incredible sort of 18 months or so for you, hasn't it? And I know you're, you know, you're really sort of um, into conversation in this very interesting meta space and specifically in NFT, uh, sorry, excuse me, NFT art. So Mel, hi, how about, tell us about you and your art. Greetings, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, my name is Mel Shapkat. I'm an abstract artist, um, a traditional artist. So I've been working as an artist for a long time. And since coming to uh, learning about Web3 and getting involved in NFTs, now I'm turning my own artwork into NFTs. It's allowed me to reach uh, new markets, which are uh, evolving and uh, coming up as this whole Web3 uh, starts, to, uh, starts to grow and emerge and change and transform. So it's been really exciting for me to take my traditional art and now turn it also into digital art. Um, which uh, is what I'm using for the NFTs. Um, in addition to that, I have always been really uh, inspired by promoting women in the arts. And so uh, moving into Web3 has given me a real opportunity to help women um, through my company, Invisible Lotus and artists as well, uh, to utilize NFTs um, in, their own, in their own businesses, in their own careers. So it's been really rewarding for me uh, to be involved in the NFT space. Thank you, Susan. You're welcome. It's rewarding for us as well to have you because we want to dive a bit into the NFT space in a minute. And so Timothy Mel, particularly, you know, be ready for all of that. But let's go into sort of this dynamic duo who show how, you know, you can work very quickly by fusing two organizations together, the skill sets together. And that's you, Susanna, and you, Tracy. So, um, you know, I don't know which one of you wants to kick off. But, I mean, Susanna's got the big smile across her face. Tracy, should we start with Susanna? Is that okay? Fine, yeah. absolutely, yes. Yeah, go on. Susanna, tell, tell us about what you're doing, who you are, and then how you and Tracy are really making waves. Over to you. Thank you, Susan, and I'm also very, very excited to be here. Uh, so thank you for the invitation. My name is uh, Susanna Bastion, and I'm the founder of Jevels, uh, which is the first NFT platform dedicated to virtual jewelry and other uh, fashion accessories that can be worn through augmented and virtual realities. Um, as you can see, I'm also wearing now one of our Jevels uh, through augmented reality, uh, these earrings. Um, so Jevels 
um, which stands for Virtual Jewels, um, was founded out of passion for fashion. Uh, I'm actually a trained pharmacist, uh, so I was always inspired by innovations and uh, digital fashion is where fashion and new technologies meet. So I'm very inspired by the new worlds opening now. And with Tracy, uh, who is without, uh, with us now, uh, we... Uh, developed or we launched the first digital uh, jewelry collections. Uh, so uh, Tracy is going to introduce herself um, as well, but we uh, digitized the, the unique jewelry uh, Tracy is designing. And uh, now we um, offer with her jewelry also digital twins. So uh, for instance, these earrings, oops, uh, yeah, these earrings, exist physically and they are highly adaptable in the augmented reality and can be changed as the NFT owner would like to. So it's an exciting space we are entering with Tracy. It certainly is. And in, indeed, we ought to point out, I mean, if, if Mel, if you was to shake your head, you've got your digital jewelry on and, and, and Tracy, you have as well, haven't you? Yes, um, yes. And you can just see I haven't, right? And so you can just see how if you look at the three girls on the screen who have put their earrings on today, I don't know why the boys didn't, but the girls have. <laughs> and, and so you can see, you can look how gorgeous that is. Look at Mel and look at, look at uh, uh, Tracy and look at, at Susanna and myself. And, you know, it's, they're, they're all just looking equally as gorgeous. And Tracy, you're the designer of this. So tell us a little bit about you and why you took your art into NFT space. Over to you. Well, thank you very much for having me. Good morning. My name is Tracy Greenan. I'm a, uh, the founder of uh, a digital jewelry brand called Aurelian Icarus. We started in Stockholm, Sweden. We're now based in New York City. I started as a shoe designer in 1990, and I've moved my way through fashion through the years and uh, began jewelry uh, a few years ago. And I met uh, Susanna, was it last year? We met through a clubhouse talk. I'd heard about digital fashion a while ago, and I was really curious about it. I wanted to pursue it, and then I just got distracted with everyday business. And it wasn't until I got contacted uh, from Lauren Kasher, who's the founder of Altrush, a very, uh, a very chic avant-garde digital fashion label to do a, a, a talk with Susanna. And, um, and we met there, we collaborated on the, the Metaverse starter kit for style lovers, which is a great, it's a great uh, entry point if you, uh, for, for Metaverse rookies who are interested in fashion to uh, start their NFT collection or add to their own. Uh, it's very exciting. And, and I've uh, pro started producing some of my own digital earrings and in the works of doing some more. Very excited about the, the future of digital fashion. Thank you so much, Tracy. Can you tell us again what you just said? What was that startup um, uh, uh, community that you were in so that we can tell the listeners? Oh, you're talking about the, the Metaverse uh, yeah. starter set for style metaverse lovers. Starter. Okay. Yes. Metaverse starter set for style lovers. Lovers, yes. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I and mean, you're getting great comments about uh, all of these, these wonderful digitals, which, of course, you know, also brings us all into 
um, the new vocabulary that's emerging. And in fact, Sherrod, wasn't it just last November that NFT first, you know, was was recognized by the Collins Dictionary? Am I correct? Yeah, it was the word of the year for 2021. And, you know, that got a lot of conversations started. And there were more than 10,000 articles in 30 days relating to metaverse and NFTs. Wow. And, you know, I'm, so, I'm sure, as, as Mosey was saying earlier about, you know, the size of the market, and I was mooting that 1.5 trillion, that, you know, everything is just sort of versioning daily, isn't it? Um, and in fact, Moses, can I come back over to you now? I think you had your hand up anyway, but can you sort of just wrap this conversation and just give us a little bit more meat, perhaps about around Web3, perhaps around Meta, and then into NFT and whatever you were going to add? Over to you, Moses. I just wanted to request that our dynamic duo demonstrate some of their other jewelry. I really like the headdresses that you were making. Yeah, yeah, that will come later, Moses. We've got some surprises. Don't kill the game, boy. <laughs> yeah, so um, I can see Sherard smiling because he's got a surprise for you. <laughs> Uh, I have some fancy glasses, which I'll try on a little later. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks, Moses. Thank you so much. But while we've got you, do you want to stretch something out? And then, Timothy, I'm coming over to you for NFT. So, Moses, um, you know, what is this all about? How can we play? Go on, give us a quick minute on that, please. Yeah, I I also wanted to to distinguish between NFTs, DeFi, and uh, VR metaverse. I think that metaverse is just a um, user contact mode. So uh, a touch point could be mobile, it could be ATMs, or it could be uh, by email. I think that um, metaverse AR and VR is simply another way of, of uh, touching the customer and, and being uh, uh, customer intimate. Um, our interest is primarily around uh, DeFi and NFTs. And the reason they're interesting is because the Financial uh, decentralized financial technologies uh, can allow for the optimization of transactions. So, if you have a lot of transactions happening, you can actually accelerate them. For example, if you sell uh, jewelry and they're somewhat expensive, if you could embed a uh, financing plan into that, that's all DeFi based, it would actually increase your sales. Um, so, I think those kinds of uh, technology, DeFi technologies are very interesting. <clears throat> and the reason that we're so interested in DeFi as it pertains to NFTs is that we think that they're going to be, well, DeFi is already huge. It's like a multi-billion dollar market, but it's only the beginning. And what will happen in the future is you'll see things like what we call the basketization of, of NFTs. So right now, NFTs are non-fungible. So you they're kind of illiquid and you can't sell them. So you buy a piece of art and then you enjoy it. However, if you get tired of it and you do want to sell it, if you put it into a basket of many things, for example, if you have a digital signature of a uh, rock and roll star, uh, if you have one for for each of the band members and you package them together, it would actually be worth more than just a single uh, digital signature or a set list or, a, or, 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 or an NFT of that. So we think that once you basketize, you have portfolios and you can do what's called portfolio optimization on these baskets. And that's where it gets very interesting because optimization technologies are very complex and difficult right now, but they're inventing these new computers called quantum computers that can solve optimization problems 
uh, up to a million times faster. So every major financial services company like Goldman Sachs and, and, and every Citibank and all the other banking organizations are doing early experiments in quantum computing because these computers actually exist now. And a few of them have been proven to work at the 1 million X improvement rather than, uh, you know, in venture capital, we look for the 10 X multiplier. This is a 1 million X multiplier. So oh, wow. everyone's chasing after that. And it's hard to imagine uh, how your business can change when your business model contains a 1 million times improvement over your competition. And at that point, what we talk about isn't, you know, business model canvases. We talk about business model warfare and that you can actually, uh, it's a really terrible analogy right now with what's happening in Ukraine. But is there indeed, is more, yeah. So, so, let's, so yeah. let's drop and, the warfare. No, we'll drop that. But I think a better analogy we use is the um, Cambrian explosion. Uh, the Cambrian explosion 150 billion years ago was when single-celled organisms figured out how to combine and become multicellular life. And then at that point, there was this massive explosion of different life forms. And then as evolution uh, went, kick-started uh, and took it up many orders of magnitude, uh, it actually evolved very, very quickly to, to what we know. So we think that NFTs and DeFi and Web3 is equivalent to a Cambrian explosion of technologies. And if you look at the Cambrian explosion, it was actually just one tiny little mutation that did it. It's when the cell mutated the ability to connect together and form cell walls that produce that. That one tiny mutation caused the entire, uh, the greatest event in the history of life on earth. And I think that that event for technology is the blockchain. Well, that's an incredible analogy as well. And, and as well, I mean, not to use something that's uh, affected us all in the last couple of years, but also being quite curious, but uh, and maybe given us the space to all find ourselves zooming around on Zoom on and not on a 747. And of course, that is the single cell mutation of Corona and COVID. But let's take those analogies and 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 you know the sort of background and the and the space that we're in. And let's take it over to um, you, Timothy, as I was mooting, and bring it into um, uh, into into Hong Kong and where you're con consulting for your community, almost as an NFT trader. I mean, can you tell us about this and maybe pop in a bit of branding in there, Timothy? Uh, so I, I think, you know, I think everyone uh, has to build their own understanding of, of the metaverse and, and Web3 and, and what it means for them. I think for me, basically, you know, I, I like geeky things. So, you know, I bought my first NFT just, just to try, you know, just to see how it works, create my wallet and kind of go through the process. But what really... Uh, amazed me and, and why I'm still here six months later was to see how the communities around NFTs were actually being built. And as a digital brand uh, builder myself, I was like, I was amazed. I was like, our clients in the traditional industry are not as engaged as anyone that I see in the NFT industry. And I was also seeing really the the creativity like the, the creativity is limitless if you think about building digital assets 
but also tying it to physical experiences. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge believer that, of course, you know, there is the, the art space that is huge on, on NFT collection. Uh, me, I'm really more interested into how NFT will bridge uh, physical and, and the digital world. Um, I'm going to drop a, a, an article uh, in the chat about how Conbase kind of uh, try to give the definition of, of what the metaverse is. But if I can just leave it there, you know, the metaverse is just, it's a whole ecosystem, right? It's not, it's not anybody wearing VR goggles and going into a virtual world to be their own avatar. That, that's a very small piece of what the metaverse is. The metaverse is a huge ecosystem that's powered by blockchain that, that offers new possibilities. But um, most importantly, you know, what, what brands need to think about, especially in fashion, and, and of course you see a lot of luxury fashion going into the space now with you know, Gucci, Prada. Um, the, the key is really for them to build like meaningful stories uh, and, and it's, you know, it's a lot about marketing today, but more and more it's going to be about real experiences, about access. Uh, and then, of course, you have the, the wearables part, which is, you know, buying NFTs for the actual avatar, which you may have. But as most of people know here, I'm sure, not many of us have an avatar in the metaverse today. And, you know, that's still going to take a while. But it doesn't mean that uh, NFTs are not going to, you know, take over your life uh, in the next couple of years. You know, every brand is, is going to want a piece of it. So I'm going to drop a, an article that I invite people to, to look at in the future. There's a very nice kind of ecosystem diagram there. Uh, and hopefully it, it will help everyone to get a sense of, of what the metaverse can be. Thank you, Timothy. That's great. I'm not. I'm actually going to leave it there, but come back to you on branding in a tad. And I feel compelled actually um, to go over to you, Mel. So sort of to give some sort of, um, if you like, some product reality around this from the art space. And you know, I know you you had a wonderful uh, uh, conversation last night about how to be an NFT artist, and and I think you've got some real tangible. Um, uh, sort of irons in, in the NFT fire or the metaverse fire, so to speak. Mel, can you put some sort of um, actuality to what Timothy was just saying? Sure. I think um, I already mentioned it before, but I think like the biggest thing for artists is it's really opened up new markets that weren't there. Uh, and it did this by attracting artists in around um, the concepts that come with the blockchain and NFTs that you can assign ownership and record that on the blockchain and it's transparent so everyone can see that and that can't be uh, easily disputed. Now, um, there have been lots of problems that have come along with that, uh, you know, there's been uh, a lot of scammers and spammers trying to uh, steal and, and do things with that. But the reality is, is, is that it is still recorded there. And there is one owner uh, for an NFT and it's recorded on the blockchain. Now, what that does that's so interesting to me is it actually frees up the art. It actually frees up the art for everyone to enjoy because we don't have to be confused about who owns it. We can all enjoy it and we can look back to the blockchain and say, oh, this is the person that actually owns it. So if they want to sell it, this is the person that's going to sell it and get the funds. So it eliminates a, a lot of confusion. Um, so I think these are some of uh, the key points 
artists that have drawn artists in. But I think the real thing is like for me, um, I had a difficult time as a traditional artist breaking into new markets uh, in the traditional real art world. Uh, there's so much gatekeeping that's happened there. This has just really been like the floodgates uh, of artists being able to connect peer to peer, person to person with collectors, whether it be an individual or a gallery. And you don't see this type of stuff happening in the traditional art markets, uh, because like I said, there's so many, um, so much gatekeeping, so many old uh, systems and strategies that have been put in place that prevent this from happening, particularly for new or emerging artists. So um, the metaverse, uh, the ability to uh, transact and um, uh, with NFTs and on the blockchain has really opened up new things for artists. And I think with the earrings, it's like it's innovation. It's like we have the opportunity to not only see new things, be inspired by new things and try new things. So um, it's really like a huge playground for artists. And I'm really happy that they're here at the beginning because it gives us the opportunity to lend our creative voice. And I don't think that, um, I mean, it's kind of, I think it happened like a little bit coincidentally, like artists just kind of got involved early. Like it was an easy space for them to come into. Um, and I think that it's really good coincidence because we're here to kind of set the foundation and use that like visionary aspect um, to really influence and shape the metaverse. Like that's why I'm so excited to be here. So thank you, Susan. Yeah, no, it is indeed. I mean, and it's sort of, I'm not gonna bring you in Moses and I'm glad you're back because we thought we'd lost you, but that, you know, consulting and indeed, so it's so, you know, yeah, inspiration can now really be turned into a new word, fidget something digital, which is is awesome. But I mean, you know, let's sort of take that that there are some polarities when we come into break into any new market, when we break into any new space. I mean, even when we go to a party, you know, there's polarities in the room. You know, the the light and the dark, the you know the 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 dancing and the still, and you know that you're feeling a little bit nervous or you're feeling very bold. So all of, in this eco environment, in this system we need the tech alberto so i'm glad you're smiling again you almost knew i was going to come into you so you know when we're on this journey i mean and and, and as mel just stressed it's sort of almost the, the the very early gateway in this journey um you know what should we be doing in order to if you like protect the canvas protect the modeling, the quantum, um, and, and what can we learn from what's happened to date, Alberto? Over to you. That, that's a very interesting question. And I think that in general, it's it's cool that artist and art is like a avant-garde into this space as it is um, discovering how, let's say, NFTs and uh, in general, the digital trading of uh, art in this case um, is done. But my let's say my perspective and my interest uh, lies more in what then the companies on larger scale can do for like the general population and that's uh where where i look at uh, let's say this this problem and um it's it for a company now today it's it's interesting to uh, reason and to think about what does it mean to own their their IPs? What are their IPs and their products? They're not not anymore, at least, uh, just the, the physical goods that they sell. But more and more, they, it's going to become like the 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 NFT is just an, an example. It's it's a tool, but it can be like whatever kind of digital assets 
that then is traded onto one of the platforms on the Met. It could be the Vendorverse platform or, or whatever else. And well, today Facebook has somewhat stolen this metaverse and meta term. But um, what what I envision and what uh, my opinion again um, is is that there's there's a variety of platforms and and technologies that can be used. Even even Minecraft could be its own small, let's say. Um, and I know, in fact, there is a, a um, I'm, I don't recall the name exactly, but there is like a platform that is very similar to Minecraft that is based on metaverse concepts that is, has been developed in, in recent years. And so going back to, to what I was, I was saying, it's as a company, I think that, that the digital strategy and the metaverse strategy should think about, okay, how can I then take these, these new ideas and new concept and digital assets that I can produce? And how can I monetize this? How can I get brand awareness? And where is the right, the right uh, place? Today, probably it's too early to say because it's everything is so new. And uh, I, I saw in the chat before that somebody mentioned like the size of the NFT market, which is uh, relatively small. I mean, in dollar, uh, it's not that small, but in, in people, let's say it's relatively small. And probably just like it happened for web one and web two, web three will take some time for them to find its footing and um, find the right uh, the right platform and the right technologies. And uh, as, as uh, Moses uh, mentioned before, it's, it's just like finding the right tools and the right uh, access points to, the, to these technologies. And then for people to engage with uh, companies and to companies to, to give to their customers uh, the, right, the right product in the right space. It could be digital earrings as we saw today, but this is a, a, to me really interesting because it's a reality that you can use today with your um, work from home and with, with the actual meeting or webinars that we are doing. And so it, it is slowly becoming easier and easier, especially as the technology become more available to everybody. Yeah, well, thank you for that really good sort of overview and sort of touching on so many points there. And indeed, I've got a feeling I'm sort of going to sort of combine a couple of sort of things I've heard. I think I heard this from you last time we spoke, Alberto, you know, about, you know, creators in this space, and I suppose in any space, but want information of seemingly complex, of a seemingly complex process so that they can simplify and indeed become simplified. And, um, and I'm gonna come over to you, Sunil, to sort of talk to us around this, but also to bring in um, Jamie Brett, who is with MetaHub and was on our panel uh, on January 25th. And uh, Jamie very much spoke about um, digital economic justice and the sort of Mel sort of touched on this a little bit as well. So Sunil, as I pop it into you uh, to sort of help us navigate how we can play and what we could play with, um, you know, just sort of that complexity, how do you make it simple and how do you make this an environment that's, you know, um, on one hand, as someone's put in the chat, 
you know, taken in a centralized way, maybe by some of the more uh, Web2 organizations at the same time, opening this space for uh, the ownership economy and the decentralized area that Web3 energy brings with it. Sunil, can you take that one? Yeah, sure. Uh, basically what I am onto uh, in my in my current journey, I'm I'm basically simplifying the process of uh, digital fashion adoption as well as metaverse adoption for fashion and lifestyle uh, brands and sourcing companies. And by by putting their physical collections uh, into a digital form and connecting NFTs, putting them onto my marketplace and creating avatars and trying those avatars. And then you are in a position to take those avatars into uh, any social media meetings, events, games, or metaverses or uses as collectibles. I'm in a position to provide them an ecosystem, uh, which is giving them genuinely an extra earning stream from digital only side of things which is relatively low investment, complete IP protection kind of a scenario, uh, and authenticity for the consumers to work upon and buy that. And generally, all this has come out and uh, been uh, speeded up by the pandemic and uh, adoption of uh, technology and adoption of the digital uh, landscapes more in the pandemic side of things. Generally, completely sustainable, no wastage, environment protection, and uh, uh, what do you call, uh, uh, no carbon footprint. So those kind of scenarios, and it is giving you a possibility of a level field for budding designers to, to match and to probably compete with the LVs of the world. So this kind of a concept, a metaverse concept, a digital uh, scenario concept, is giving you all these possibilities. These possibilities are also giving the possibility, uh, uh, a reachability for smaller brands to go global. Possibility of portability and integration onto new digital environments. And attracting a new set of consumers who are looking at digital only side of things. This is only possible out of uh, uh, metaverse. So this has given a great uh, advantage to people and to great advantage to the fashion industry and lifestyle industry in a big way. And I'm simplifying that process for them to adopt and be on this bandwagon and achieve a different level of things out of that. Well, thank you so yes. much, Sunil. I mean, beautifully explained, and it sort of gives a real good segue into those that have made it happen. So I'm going to come to you, Susanna, to sort of talk to us about, you know, what sort of commitment you had to make to get in, into space, make it real, like you and Tracy have held hands and done. And I just, before we do that, I just want to honour everyone that's um, putting love's lovely uh, commentary in the chat, I encourage our panelists to have a quick look. And Tracy, there's some points for you in the Q&A about um, uh, theatres and costumes and how you can take your digital into that space. 
So Susanna, I mean, you know, you've got in, you know, what is what it's all what is it all like in there? What's the commitment like? And is it any different than, you know, a web through a web two business? Over to you, Susanna. Yeah, and Susanna, if I may just add, can you also explain to our participants what kind of investment uh, you know you put into uh, setting up your business in the metaverse, and in what time frame uh, did you set it up? Thank you. Yeah, great. Thank you for the question. Um, so uh, I started uh, with being aware about digital fashion um, at the end of 2020 when we were all sitting at home, right? And uh, sitting on Zoom calls 10 times, uh, 10, 10 hours a day and wondering if we really need to style ourselves for the, uh, for the meetings physically or isn't it possible with one click just uh, like to put on a jewelry and so on? And just like Sunil said, the technology is not that far, but um, since I've always uh, loved jewelry and uh, I think jewelry is the exclamation mark of each outfit, it was the, the right way to go. So uh, beginning of just, just about one year ago, um, I was talking with my sister who um, is, um, my second arm in this project. Uh, she, um, we built this together and uh, we were talking a lot which way to go. And uh, we wanted to create um, a sustainable um, solution for the fashion industry to have a, have a style with one click, uh, sustainable and uh, with, the, with, the, with the eyes or with the vision in the future in the, in the metaverse. And uh, this was our, our focus. Um, so I think the filters are um, one point, but as uh, Sunil also and also Alberto already talked about the usability also for the virtual world um, is also the second standpoint. So um, um, the, um, we, we aim to, to collaborate with, uh, with avatar companies uh, to be able to style the avatars and to, to continue this journey because um, I think Timothy, you mentioned that um, it's, it's a small, uh, it's going to be just a, just a small part to have an avatar and uh, sit with the VR headset, uh, but uh, it's going to communicate together the AR and the VR and um, just imagine you could have a virtual jewelry box or a virtual wardrobe and you, with one click, you can wear whatever you want. And this is also what Timothy said. It's, it's limitless. The cre creativity can explode. You can uh, wear whatever you want completely sustainably. Nothing has to be produced. And if it's produced, you, you can um, um, bring more value with, uh, with the uh, virtual um, accessories and um, um, augment the style and and uh, put it uh, further. So I think the physical and the virtual world will um, will collaborate uh, together and we will find uh, beautiful solutions there. And um, so we started about one year ago um, and uh, we launched the platform end of uh, October in a beta version with uh, just three designs uh, to test a little bit the market because it's a, it's a new market. We are really um, the first ones still um, focused on virtual jewelry um, and making all of uh, the designs on our platform um, 
wearable right away. So we collaborate with designers around the world. It's not me who is designing the, uh, the jewelry, but um, for instance, Tracy here or other designers from around the world, which is also the beauty of, uh, of, the, of the virtual world that anyone can uh, be a designer. Uh, you just need a computer and, uh, and creativity and uh, yeah, you can reach customers anywhere else in the world. Um, so we create with these designer, we collaborate with these designers and we bring their jewelry to life. Um, for now, we are uh, still self-funded. We are in collaborations with uh, some funding institutions and uh, with, uh, with investors and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, as I said on the beginning, it's, uh, it was founded out of passion for fashion and we really um, invest our, all our energy and resources into this project. So we are very happy to collaborate with um, so many inspiring people on the way. <laughs> well, I think you're going to get lots of people really hooked on this and uh, coming into you to, tonight, Susanna. I can already see loads in the chat, so no doubt you're picking them up. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Sherrod, your glasses are looking a bit steamy. I mean, can you do anything there? Is there anything you oh, can... I, I need apply? some more time to set that up, Susan. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, could you do Tracy, it? I think because they're, they're looking very steamy. So I think you ought to start now. And, and, and uh, yes, indeed, you've, you've read my mind. I, Tracy, I, I'm going to come over to you. And I, I want to talk about success because we always like to sort of see if we can see the face of success. I mean, you know, how do you feel it's been since you've gone with your digital jewelry online? Are you feeling, are you feeling an energy of success? Um, and um, where do you see it going forward, Tracy? It's an ongoing learning process. Uh, it's constantly, the space is constantly evolving. Uh, the main thing for me is educating my traditional buying clients. So that's going to be a big challenge, but I, I'm, I'm very positive that we're going to get there over time. Um, we need to get the visuals out there and we need to get them um, all the, all the benefits out there, how that would benefit them um, in, in this space. So it's going to take some time, but I'm quite excited about the future of digital jewelry. So can you can you go back to that bit then? So that sounds very real. That your your client base that you've grown and nurtured over the years, you're now looking at helping them if they would like mm -hmm. um, migrate, if you like, <laughs> some or all of their business into into Web three, Metaverse, and and possibly NFT. So it, um, um, what's how's the conversations going? I mean. Number one, are they open to the conversation or are they closed? And if they're open, is it a vibrant and, and is it just getting stuck at the boardroom door or sort of what, what's the playing field like out there when you're talking business mm -hmm. about around metaverse? Uh, yeah, sorry, the, the feedback that I'm getting is, well, we've heard about beauty filters, but we haven't heard about jewelry filters. What is that? How is it going to benefit me? And I think one of the main things, how it will benefit them is unlike physical jewelry, which degrades, digital jewelry doesn't. And you can wear it wherever you want to go. And it's, it's creative. So it can, you can build your own fantasy. You can have something that you, can, you, that you were a bit 
too shy about wearing in real life. You can just put it on online um, and then you can have fun with it. You can freshen up how many Zoom calls do we have in a day? You can freshen up a screen so easily. And sometimes you can have it subtle. Sometimes you can have it more vibrant. It depends on your choice. Um, things like that. Um, it's, it's a very exciting space to be in. Yeah, well, I'm loving that dexterity, and I and I am with you. You know, um, um, you know, being on on you know sometimes ten back to back calls a day, and some requiring a jacket, some not requiring a jacket, so to speak. You know, and just to pop one on, I'm loving it. And do you know what? I hadn't really sort of uh, considered the the um, let's say almost the familiarity that we often have now with beauty filters or the filters on your iPhone camera that you use with now just the filters of say for example digital jewelry so thank you for bringing that to light for me Tracy and hopefully others on screen and and so Moses do you feel that I could come to you and talk a little bit more about you know this uh, you know, innovative innovation consulting side and what it, what's the commitment to get into all of this? And indeed, what about if we have to get out? I mean, is it too soon to talk about the out? Is it all about the in? Over to you, Moses. Yeah, um, what I'd like to talk about is um, a lot of times people that start new companies and businesses are so dazzled by the technology, they stop thinking about the business requirements so for, for, for example, for digital art, if you could think about the motivations of collectors, what do collectors really want? So we, we've actually worked with uh, people who own billion dollar art collections and to studying them, we found that there were four types of motivations. There were, there were uh, experiential collectors. So for example, if you're collecting rare cars, they're the ones who actually drive the rare cars. They wanna feel the driving of it. There are financial, collectors that want the appreciation value. Um, there are um, series completers. They, they just want to buy one of every year. I went to a museum once where a guy actually bought every Le Mans winner for 50 years by Porsche. You know, it, it was actually amazing. A room full of million dollar Porsches, but he had to have every single year in order to feel complete. And the one that was most interesting to me is what is called the contemplative collector. They actually think about it and they actually, uh, they eventually become curators and their collections become museums. So I think the most important thing to develop um, for the NFT art market is to associate with a large museum and create a museum of NFT art that would assign value through curatorship. Uh, you, you know, as the first, you know, digital earrings that are both physical and digital, it'll make an amazing uh, display. And to have like the Museum of Modern Art uh, bless you and say, oh, this is, this is art would increase the value of your, of your work and bring it to the market. So if you look at the needs of the collectors and do what we call design ethnography. So ethnography is this technique that we do things called design sprints uh, that help you kind of dig into the psychology of what your customer really wants. By figuring that out, you can actually be more successful. So these design sprints, um, like for example, Google Ventures does a design sprint for every single project they do. So it kind of, in a week you could figure it out. And that's what I recommend is to do a metaverse design sprint around any project you're doing to understand the underlying motivational needs of collectors, of the marketplace, of the NAT creator, 
uh, and the entire ecosystem to figure that out. So that that's sort of what we do in our work. Uh, so when we so consult- you, Moses, I mean, thank you very much for bringing it back to, um, um, if you like, the, you know, the creating the rich picture of your of your canvas or your quantum your quantum plan. Um, and it's very it, absolutely right. I love those um, uh, descriptions of the profiles. Maybe we'll grab those, Sherrod, and we'll put them in a post later. But of course, that that sort of does dovetail or, or dances beautifully back to you, Timothy. Uh, into the branding space. And so can you sort of talk to us a little bit about, um, I don't know, do different types of collectors and personalities have to have different brands in, 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 uh, in the metaverse and in NFTs? And indeed, are we able to sort of slightly tweak the product more easily than we are, for example, in, so, so in I think, I, think the, uh, yeah. I want you to go back to one thing that Susanna said earlier, which you know, she started everything you know with uh, with Tracy like from the ground up, through passion. I'm sure she's you know she's partnering with people from all around the world, um, and this is really the the huge shift that is going to happen in the fashion world in the next few years, because you're gonna have the ability for small you know creators and shop to really put their brand out there like never before. And I think, you know, the, the big brands, that's what you see in the news, right? The big brands, the Gucci doing an NFT collection, Prada, like that's what you see in the news. But actually one of the reasons these brands are going in, it's because they know they need to learn because the, the, the smaller brands are moving a lot faster and they're making decision a lot faster. And you can see uh, a brand like uh, Artifact Studio. So Art Artifact Studio, you guys should look it up, you know, for whoever is listening, is the, is the digital fashion studio that got acquired by Nike um, for an undisclosed amount, but, you know, probably half a billion dollar. Um, and, and that's really the huge shift that, that's happening now for brands. And the reason why Nike bought Artifact is because the Artifact Studio branding and storytelling was just the best that you had in the digital, uh, I would say, uh, pop culture. Like, you know, they were doing sneakers and, and things like that. Um, and, and I think right now, you know, so many fashion brands are, are creating their own uh, ecosystem. And, and, you know, I would give an advice if there are any big brands, people listening, you know, I, I would say, you have two ways to grow. Either you build your own team in-house to really build these projects and you let them do their thing 100% of their time, a dedicated team, or you have to look outside and acquire people. Um, you, you really have very interesting projects that are you know, mixing, again, digital. And, and, and so I, I'm consulting a project just to mention quickly they are also going to produce digital uh, wearables footwear, uh, but they are already, we're lining it up to a factory in Asia to actually forge or like build that footwear to be delivered to the NFT owner. And the type of footwear that is being produced right now, also with uh, 3D printing and technology is just, 
a crazy new world of fashion. So it's like there's a lot of things coming together right now. You know, 3D printing, everybody was saying, oh, it's going to be the, the new thing for everybody. And then nothing happened, really. Uh, but these, these things are kind of coming back to, together now. So, uh, but, I, you know, me, what I do is a lot of projects have amazing technology. They have amazing art, amazing creators. Uh, but like in everything, the, the branding and the story really matters how you engage with, with the community. The great thing about this world is also that when you create community, especially on Discord, I mean, I don't know if you guys know Discord, but uh, mo most communities today are on Discord. I'm sure there's going to be the next big thing that's going to be easier to use for more people. But you're getting so much feedback from your customers that is helping you to build your business. And this is today something that is very difficult to do um, in the traditional industry and in the traditional way. Um, so yeah, this is just you know very exciting. Uh, I think well, there's going to be a lot of there's also a lot of bad brands out there with everything and everything, but you know, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. we, we could we could hone in on pitfalls and our and our predictions for that. But you know, thank you so much, Timothy. Um, you know, it, it, and I love the sort of stress on community and collaboration and and supporting, etc. Um, I'm sure most of our um, uh, uh, audience today have heard of Discord, but maybe some haven't. So can you just stick that in the chat for us, please? Uh, and um, Sherard, um, um, I'm wondering, you know, we've just gone past top of the hour. Do we have anybody that we'd like to call in from the audience? Yeah, I actually want to uh, recognize uh, Leila Hostel. Uh, I met her some two weeks back and uh, I've just got her as a panelist. I think she's camera shy, but she can speak to us from wherever she is. Oh, there she is. So Lela is, uh, is a very young uh, lady who's uh, entered the metaverse in a big way. And I'd love for her to share her story with the audience and with our other panelists. So Lela, uh, your three minutes start now. Hi, nice to meet everyone. I'm so sorry, I'm having some issues with my virtual background. I'm not sure why this is happening. Um, so I think I'll just remove my camera for now, but at least you got to see part of my face. Um, but I'll just introduce myself quickly. I'm uh, studying economics and business at UCL. And I'm the founder of uh, a few companies, but I'll put the focus on, uh, I'm launching an NFT collection called the All-Stars Women NFT Club and DAO, which is a collection of 10,000 futuristic female avatars. And the aim is to gather a community of female founders and entrepreneurs and give them the resources that they need in order to make their businesses a success. And we're gonna be creating a DAO and um, this DAO will be uh, backing a fund and the money raised from the minting of this collection is gonna be invested into this fund. And this fund is gonna be invested into the female founders startups and then read, the profits will be redistributed to the community. And I wanted, so we're gonna be hosting um, a webinar tomorrow at uh, 5 p.m. UAE time. So it's 1 p.m. UK time. And we will be discussing the importance of building uh, an inclusive metaverse. So uh, we think that Web3 and virtual worlds are actually impacting the way that we live and that we communicate with each other. And so we think that um, 
it's still like a, a white canvas and uh, there's a strong chance there's a strong uh, opportunity to create a better society make it more inclusive and i think that it's now or never for women to seize this opportunity and leave their mark on the metaverse Thank you, Lela. And uh, just for our panelists and the audience, uh, this webinar is tomorrow at 5 p.m. Dubai time, entitled yes. Building an All-Inclusive Metaverse. So stay tuned for that one. If you haven't already registered, you can do so at onlywebinars.com. Uh, may I, Susan, just uh, recognize one more uh, uh, participant, so and that is uh, Rish uh, Lotlicker. He's the co-founder of Superworld. I've been uh, tracking him on LinkedIn and I think he's a major player in the metaverse. So your three minutes start now, Rish. Hey, how's it going everyone? Um, my name is Rish Lotkar, co-founder and CEO of Superworld. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, I wanted to kind of give you a quick uh, overview on kind of what we're doing and I think what we're, we're thinking about in the market. Um, Superworld is a virtual world built on top of the real world. We enable anyone and empower anyone to create, discover, and monetize anything, anywhere, and augmented reality around them in the real world. We've divided the surface of the earth into 64 billion virtual blocks of properties. So each property is a unique digital asset. If you buy a property in Superworld covering any place in the world, you get a share of any of the economics that happen there. Advertising, e-commerce, digital commerce, data, analytics, and gaming. And I would say that our, our differentiation, what we're focused on at Superworld, it might sound ironic, but we're building a virtual world that is focused on the real world and people's real lives. We want to be a life-enhancing platform and not a life-escaping platform. So we don't want to pull you into Superworld, but quite the opposite. What we want to do is leverage these technologies, AR, VR, blockchain, and AI, to again, improve whatever people are doing in their real lives, in their physical lives, in their analog lives. And so we have a concept called live to earn, which is how do we utilize tokenomics to actually again, incentivize people's passions. How do I get Nike to pay for you to go to a run? How do I get, you know, Virgin Unite to help, you know, pay for you to do something positive for the community? Um, you know, the idea is, again, how do we enhance your real life and things that you're passionate about in the real world? And then collectively, how do we take all this activity that we're all doing to enhance the real world. So as an example of that, you know, when you buy land in Superworld, you know, we plant trees in the real world. We're partnered with the World Bank in the Caribbean to help with the with hurricane disaster relief. Uh, we, we've partnered with the United Nations and UNESCO to help rebuild cities like Beirut, Lebanon. In fact, about a month ago, we brought together two tribes in the Amazon jungle to create digital art in the Amazon viewable from anywhere to help people understand the issues that are happening with the reforestation in the Amazon jungle. And so again, you know, to summarize, we've built a virtual world on top of the real world that enhances people's real lives, enhances the real world, and enables all of us as stakeholders to own the world around us and to create, discover, and monetize anything anywhere. Thank you, Rish. 
Thanks. Back to you, Susan. Oh, thank you so much, Leila and Raish. Thank you. That's very um, brave of you to step out from the audience onto screen here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and um, Mel, uh, I've just seen you pop up the news of your new program and your new course. What's all this about and how that will that help everyone in the room today? Yeah, I'm really, really excited. As uh, Susan mentioned yesterday, I gave a free event and there was a massive, massive turnout of people. So I started um, a six week course to elaborate on that information. It's going to start at the very beginning. If you uh, don't even have a wallet yet for interacting with Web3, we start at the very beginning. Um, so you can have a wallet and we go all the way through. Uh, if you already are an NFT artist, we're going to cover some concepts um, that will impact you like utility and rarity. And we're going to take uh, all the way out in the six weeks, we're going to talk about what you do when you are successful, like Susan was mentioning, when you are successful, what are you going to do? What does that look like? What does that feel like? And in Web3, you can allow your earnings to continue working for you. So we'll talk about um, how you might reinvest those into virtual land or other options. So super excited to be sharing this information with people. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak about it, Susan. So I put a link over there. Um, you can registration's open now. And uh, until tomorrow, I've got um, my entry pricing. There's a discount till tomorrow because I launched yesterday with my free event. So thanks so much. Oh, well, that's kind of you, um, Mel. Thank you so much. Uh, and the sort of Moses, I'm sort of sort of feeling to come over to you now because you know a lot of what we're speaking about here is creating and you know our you know bringing our uh, let's say our passion, whether it's into fashion or whatever it is in in this space. And so that brings me into IP or intellectual property, Moses. And I know you've done an awful amount of work around this and, and you know, holding safe and sound or not on blockchain. And you've got some great examples, for example, like the post office. Can, can you talk to us about um, economic justice and intellectual property, you know, in this space that we're walking into, Moses? I'm not the person with economic justice. That was someone else. No, no, I'm just giving you a little phrase that Okay. Yeah, that was Jamie. That was Jamie Brett from last uh, last time. Yeah. Sure. Um, so the intellectual property, the yeah, going back to my example about the Cambrian explosion, what drove that was evolution and changes in how things are done. So if you just copycat someone else's uh, NFT or you know metaverse technology, it doesn't really drive uh, this uh, warfare in or. Uh, evolution of business models. And innovation is the evolution of business. So I think that it's important to create IP around what you're doing. For example, if you first look at, uh, like we're working with a musician around NFTs, and if you look at their business model, they can't make money streaming anymore, right? So when you had a gold record, you know, 20 years ago, you'd make about $50,000 for a gold record in royalties. But if you get a million listens on Spotify now is about 20 bucks of revenue. So you, you, you aren't making any money by selling music the traditional way. So they're making money in concerts. So what we thought of is, uh, and we have a patent for this, is proximity uh, awareness for your NFT. So if your NFT smart contract can work with an app that can tell if you're at a concert, it can add value to your NFT and for example, if you go to 10 concerts, suddenly you automatically get a backstage pass. 
So those kinds of things could actually draw more people to concerts and, and create revenue flow. And that is something you would do around patentability. Now, in, in terms of you know, fashion, what I would do immediately is proximity awareness for fashion, because I don't think two people want to show up with the exact same dress, right? Especially if the dress cost you $10,000 for an NFT for that dress or that jewelry. So what you want to know is, is someone else going to show up? And is there someone to make sure that this NFT smart contract says that nobody in the virtual room or ballroom I'm at can wear the same dresses as me, but you're still allowed to sell it to other people. Uh, and that the first one to sign up through some system would do that. So I think you can actually develop technologies, but the key to that is to actually step back and look at the underlying business models and needs of everyone in the ecosystem to design these technologies at a more comprehensive level. Um, because many, many uh, inventors tend to create half-baked ideas and they're so exciting, you just have to do it because you feel that's there. And what we suggest is doing a design sprint to fully bake a half-baked idea before you spend a lot of money on it. Oh, well, that's really got me quite fired up there. I mean, what, what a, how interesting is that? Um, proximity awareness for fashion. Um, Susanna, do you wanna just speak a little, or you or Tracy just wanna speak a little bit to that? And then I'm coming to you, Alberto, for some tech. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the value is uh, really important uh, what we're creating, and uh, the Web three is about value, and it is about uh, you know bringing your own value also to the community and keeping what you what you own as well through the decentralized uh, system. Um, so. Um, uh, yeah, what I, what I wanted to say and add to uh, to Moses, um, yeah, it should be something that you you own, right? Um, you you shouldn't share it, and it should be protected. Um, so yeah, I think this is um, because I, I was disturbed by somebody who uh, wrote it in in the chat that you can just uh, take a screenshot, and uh, it's it's not what an NFT is about. Uh, so this is exactly what what uh, the the Web three is bringing to us: the this value and this protection of ownership, and uh, what what uh, Moses is uh, is saying. Yeah, and this is also what what why we feel so comfortable by sharing the the source files of the designs uh, to the community um, because everybody knows where the design comes from because it's um, it's protected with the with the decentralized system. Um, yeah, so this is uh, uh, yeah. so important. <laughs> no, you, you explain that so well. And also thank you for you know giving um, a, a bridge into the chat room and then pulling it back into this room and, and you know getting some reality around that, you know, it's not about screenshot, but it's about you know collect, owning and collecting and, and and sharing with community. So Tracy, I mean, you know, when you're designing, how how do you feel about the thought now that you know your your one wonderful design can now go out to so many. Um, how does that feed you? Well, one thing I keep in mind is I want to express to my clients what's going to give them value, but what Susanna was touching on, and what it, an NFT should express who who somebody is. 
So uh, I'm exploring the space of having customizable pieces. Um, that's something that I'm creating in a collection right now that I'm really excited about. Um, it's gonna be tricky, but it's something that I really uh, think is important for people that they want to have something to say, this is who I am. This is something I can be excited about. Love and also, it. I want it to be uh, authentic and on brand. I think that's really important. We can't just create an NFT just for the sake of creating an NFT. It's gotta have something that's saying, okay, this is Aurelian Icarus. We know because this is the style of the brand. So we gotta keep on brand. Okay, well then thank you for, for, for that because that, Alberto, hang on to your seat because I'm gonna just take that brand and throw it over to Timothy because yeah. I've been threatening to come to Timothy on branding. So can do you, can can you take- Really briefly. Can I say one thing really briefly? Who's that? Oh, it's Moses. But, Sorry, yeah. Hi, Moses. Yes. I, I just want to respond to the two artists. Um, I think that digital provenance is something to consider uh, because these NFT, NFTs for collectors can provide a better form of provenance. And one of the things we've we've been looking at is laser uh, engraving a, an NFT onto auto car parts so that when they put them into a collector car, that you could nest the NFT of the parts into the NFT of the collectible or you could nest the, the canvas producer or the even the oil producer for a painting. So you can have this entire uh, provenance trail that could increase the value of your work. Um, and then the final thing I wanna mention uh, before you give it to Timothy is branding. Um, branding and art have one thing in common. It's about meaning. People buy art because it gives meaning to your life. You buy jewelry because it, it, it shows the meaning of your life. And understanding that is actually, I think, the key to success in the uh, digital art world is that, you know, owning a Beeple is actually more than just the art. It's like I bought that and the bragging rights for, for owning that kind of thing. So understanding that a brand is essentially a totem of meaning that you put on saying, I own this, therefore I'm richer, I'm, you know, I'm happier or whatever, figuring out that as the underlying uh, primitive uh, for uh, branding is, I think, a very important key. Thank you, Moses. I'm glad you tripped in there. You know, um, although I'm sort of going to hope that the polarity comes from bragging rights to just, you know, emotional and those feeling happy rights more, more than the bragging. But Timothy, what branding, can you take us in there? Branding and art is the mean equals meaning. Uh, so I think... Well, first, I think there are many answers to many different business issues, right? I mean, at the end of the day, brands want to make money, right? So uh, it's not like it's not an easy answer, but uh, I think uh, the interesting thing that is happening is the, there are two things happening very interesting for brands, decentralized marketing and, and decentralized creation. So you know, today for a lot of NFT uh, projects uh, built by brands, you know, maybe they hire an agency to do some of the work, maybe they have their in-house team, but, but actually what really happens is there is a new way to do marketing now for brands in the metaverse, which is really completely decentralized. You might hire someone in Peru, one in uh, Alaska, another one from China, and then you basically have a team that can work on branding and marketing like literally 24 seven because the 24 seven communication to your community is really part of, of your brand now. So 
talking about uh, the Artifact Studio and the Nike collection, right? Uh, Clonex, which is now one of the top brand in the NFT collectibles world. Um, their engagement is 24 seven. You can never stop to talk to your community and the community will give you feedback to your brand. So uh, it's kind of that constant uh, being fed from your customers uh, for the brand. So, so there is that, but at the same time, you of course, you have to be very clear about who your target audience is uh, because you also need a very strong core uh, target audience. So uh, brands have to brands have to plan ahead at least you know months in advance of what is the story they, they're going to want to tell. But the metaverse right now, it's not something you're planning. You don't have like a two years roadmap. Anybody who tells you I have a two years roadmap on the metaverse as a fashion brand, I'm like, okay, show it to me. Like, no, no, there's no way. Uh, the further you can see right now is probably you know half year. You're already very good. And then after you have to you have to move. So, um, but yeah, strong base. You know, design, logo, story is is, is very strong. But uh, hire people that know what they're doing. That's that's what I would say. Well, thank you, um, Timothy. So, a hundred and eighty day plan maximum, and in fact, probably two a ninety day plan is better times two. So, so Alberto, um, oh, in everything that you've just been listening to here, you know, how, how, and how, and where are the pitfalls where it comes to technology or indeed where is the freedom and the ability the ability when it comes to technology alberto yeah uh, one one thing that i would like to to start with is going back to uh what uh, susanna said before it's taking a screenshot of an nft it's like taking a photo of a house you don't own the house and while the NFT is the actual certificate that uh, attests that you are the, uh, the, the, the property of the house is, is yours. So that's the same thing, in my mind at least, as a comparison. Um, so in general, I would say, and I totally agree with what uh, Timothy just said, uh, that uh, it's, it's very hard to predict the future, especially in an ever-changing scenario such as these that are very new and very... Uh, changing really every day um, and with some major players and big companies that have done very large investment. Maybe in a year from now, uh, the things that we are discussing today are not relevant anymore because the technology has completely shifted. So to me, it's important to uh, establish inside of your company or, or your uh, brand, whatever, whatever it is, a, a strong knowledge base so that the people that um, deal with these sort of things, digital assets, NFTs, and uh, metaverse scenario, augmented reality, whatever it is, that they know what they are talking about. That's the, the, the understanding of um, the technology is, the, is of the utmost important uh, at, at this, at this uh, moment. So once you have like a pipeline set up, um, inside of the company and the brand that can produce uh, digital assets. Those assets, once once you have like uh, the landscape clear, can be deployed to whatever platform it is. You want to create an NFT on the um, Ethereum uh, blockchain. You you have the files, you have the stuff. You just 
create and upload uh, to the right place. Whatever it is, it's it's to me uh, the the most important thing is getting the, your company ready, meaning that you have the right tools, the right uh, preparation of the people, and and uh, also as Timothy said, somebody that does that twenty four seven, and that does that knows what it's doing, and uh, and it's dedicated to creating the digital future of, of the company and the brands that uh, if, if, if I think about, I don't know, uh, 30 years back, the, uh, the only thing that, that was important was actually the product that you deliver to the shelves in the shop. And in 30 years, this has completely changed. Today, uh, a couple of years back, a website uh, from Sweden, I think, Carlings, did a completely digital um, collection where you, you, you couldn't buy like the physical stuff. And that's, that's like, they were very, uh, let's say, uh, futurist in this. And, but, but this is, today it's now happening. It's more and more it's shifting towards the digital and especially with the IP protection. Your IP is not the product you sell, it's the concept around that. And the only way to me that you can then then uh, protect this, also in a court of law, because at the end of the day, as we said, brands want to make money and they want to protect their IP in some way, you, you got to like have the proof of uh, that product coming out of, of you. NFTs are one way. There's other uh, uh interesting technologies around uh, blockchain and uh, the crypto world um, that allow you to say, this is this belongs to me. It came out of my company, it came out of my mind and uh, I am the owner or I am the, the seller or whatever. But it's, it's very clear how to track from the beginning to the end um, where the, the ownership is. And for IP protection, this is... The, the, it's crucial it. it's it critical is. Alberto Definitely. so thank you for you know really giving some good stress and stretch on that and Sunil you're, you're nodding I just want to come over to you for sort of a, a closing line I mean actually you've got your hand up so that's interesting um, and then back over then to Sherrod but you know you know in this decentralized protocol where there's multi-chains and cross chains you know how do we get into this um uh you know ip state you know what what are the what do you see as the doorways and the pitfalls just very quickly absolutely so uh, it is not just uh, it is not just the ip protection of the brands it is also the authenticity check of the consumer who is wanting to buy the NFTs. So uh, NFTs give you that possibility also. So there can be a genuine counterfeit management, counterfeit scenario which can be avoided from the, from the consumer side also. This is also done through because we are only talking of brands on one side. But on the other side, NFTs are also helping the consumer to buy the things and they are authentic. The authenticity check is available as well as they're they are very, very sure of what they are buying. So that also is given by that. Uh, in terms of the pitfalls, yes, uh, presently the technology does not allow uh, avatars to move from one metaverse to another in a very, very smooth way which is going to be coming, it is still evolving. So the, those technologies are still evolving. 
that's one aspect of it then uh, the other pitfall which i see on the fashion side is that people are talking about collectibles they are not talking about wearables any cloth is a wearable first then a collectible so while in the fashion trade right now uh, luxury goods are being bought as collectibles as more of an investable scenario rather than as a wearable scenario what i am wanting to change in in my uh, company and and giving it to the fashion world is that the first thing which they are able to achieve out of their clothing is wearability the second thing is of course the collectability and the third is investability so all these three things are going to be coming to the fashion world and genuinely any clothing is about wearability the first usability of any clothing is about wearability or uh, how will it happen if zozana's and and tracy's collections cannot be worn you can only own them it will not look good so it will not be the right output of that particular thing the genuine scenario of any jewelry or any wearable item is about wearability of it the usability this is this is awesome sunil a great place to sort of bounce back into sharad wearability collectability and investability really like it sharad it, can i send it over to you now yeah uh, actually susan i don't know if you are keeping track but we are 90 minutes into our webinar and i know this can go on forever because uh, you know it's so interesting uh, but i think uh, we need to close now and it's time for me to thank each one of our panelists uh for their time for sharing their knowledge and wisdom i am certainly enlightened listening to all of you and i'm sure our audience also has loved this conversation so thanks to you susan for being our moderator and i think it's been an amazing experience uh this our uh, webinars on metaverse centric topics will continue we have another one that is being planned for april and then may and then uh, june as well so all you have to do is uh, stay connected in our community onlywebinars.com and i'll keep you informed of our uh, future activities so uh, anything you want to add susan be before we say final bye to all well i do indeed and that is a very big thank you to you all and i'd like to to, to suggest we all take our mutes off and all say the goodbye to the audience we have in the room so let's just do thank that you. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.